So let's look at Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Now right away you might think, we did that a couple weeks ago. We did. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way I did it. And so we're going to do it again. So we're going to do Psalm 138 this morning and Psalm 140. And so immediately you're going to go, well, wait a minute, we skipped Psalm 139. You're right. We're going to skip 139 and do it next week when the junior high and high schoolers join us for the service. And we're going to be talking about some sensitive information, but information that we need to talk about. Psalm 139, that God knows the number of our days. From conception, God knows the number of our days. So if you want to read ahead, Psalm 139 for next Sunday. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to still freely carry our Bibles. Uh, Things are happening so quick, and so many things are happening behind the scenes. We know in the spiritual world, there's a battle going on in the heavenlies. We, We see it in your word. And so, Father, we thank you and praise you that the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. That these things shouldn't surprise us. They may grieve us. But they don't surprise us. For your son said these things must come to pass before his return. So Father, we just thank you for this morning. And I pray for the gift of teaching. And that as we look at your word, Lord, that our hearts would be soft. As we've sung, even that that word in one of those songs, Lord. That, ooh, that mighty word that makes us so uncomfortable. That we would surrender. That we would truly surrender our lives, our minds, and our hearts, our whole being to you, even right now, as we come to worship you through hearing your word. Lord, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 138, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms. We'll be through it shortly. And then we're going to jump forward to the book of Acts. But for this morning... Psalm 138, a psalm of David. Now, this psalm was probably written when David was used by God to elevate the nation of Israel above the surrounding nations. You see, David was able to unite the Israelites in a way that had not been seen since the days of Joshua. And if you're doing, uh, if you're coming Wednesday night with the book of Judges, you've seen a lot of things happen between Joshua and King David. A lot. And not good. And so this is a very unique situation here. Psalm 138, a psalm of David. Jim, you want to throw up that song, that slide, Psalm 51.5? Behold, David writes, now again, remember, David lived a thousand BC. And David wrote, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. What? I was brought forth? You see, David knew who he was. And there are three uh, thoughts or philosophies, or I don't really want to call them theologies, but the Jews had in Jesus' day. And if someone was born blind, they could say, well, that's just reincarnation. That's just your karma. That's just your previous life. Some Jews, that was just your previous life, and you're receiving the consequence of your previous life. Other philosophy in that day and age of Jesus' day, and you can look at this in John chapter 9, is that his parents, the baby's parents, sinned. And that the baby 
was receiving a consequence because of the parents' sins. And then the other philosophy was at that time, the baby sinned inside the womb. The baby did something wrong, and that's why the baby was born the way the baby was born. Jesus blew all those out of the water, John chapter 9, and said it's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God. We can use our bodies, we can use our illnesses, we can use our trials, our experiences, our lives. We can blame something, or we can just say, you know what, God's doing work in my life. And if God is allowing this in my life, as Job came to realize, then blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So David says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Notice that. Conceived me. You see, here we see the most important commitment that anyone could ever have, giving thanks to God with all of their soul or their whole heart. In Psalm 138, verses 1 through 3, David says, I will praise you with my whole heart. And that's why I brought Psalm 51, 5 up. David knew who he was. He knew where he came from, that he was a stinking little sinner in need of a savior. That he wasn't born good and he eventually became bad so that he could receive God and become good again. No, he was a sinner from conception. That's the nature that we bring into this world. But And so he goes on to say, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out to you, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. You know, why did David say, I will praise you with my whole heart? Why did he say that in the first place? As I mentioned already, because he knew he was a sinner. But God had forgiven him of all his sins. You see, David was used by God to write various portions of scriptures. We're reading them even right now. But there were already scriptures written that David relied upon. David relied upon. You see, he relied upon them because he knew that God would keep his promise. This is very, very important. For you and I, even to this day, that God would keep his promise and God's promises are found throughout his word from Genesis to Revelation. Not just your favorite verse, not just your favorite book, as I have a favorite book as well in the old and the new. No, they're found throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And Numbers 14, 19 says this, Moses speaking, pardon the iniquity of this people. What people? the upwards of 3 million people that he was overseeing, that he was pastoring, shepherding for 40 years. And here's the heart of the man interceding on behalf of the people according to the greatness of your mercy. Now these are attributes of God. Your mercy. Just if you have forgiven, that's an attribute of God. We might have a hard time forgiving people. God forgives. God forgave every single sin that everybody ever committed at the cross. Now we need to appropriate that to forgiveness. And a sinner to become a saint, go from an ain't to a saint, needs to appropriate that forgiveness. But they've been forgiven. 
It's not when they, they ask Jesus into their heart that they've been forgiven. No, they were forgiven at the cross. It's just that they appropriate that forgiveness now. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt. From Egypt. And if you've been doing the daily reading, these guys rebelled, rebelled, rebelled. Stinking sinners. Even until now. And you could think of this, because Egypt is symbolic of the world, Think of this as your own life. I know that I received Jesus in the spring of 1978. And so from Egypt, from that that day, and I don't know the exact day, I just know it was in the spring of 78. From that time until now, God's mercy has been great. And his forgiveness, his attribute, his forgiveness has been much appreciated in my life. Because I need it. I need it on a regular basis. And so Moses is crying out, but David has this. David has this available to him. So again, some people, I know some people are like, well, I don't like reading the Old Testament. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it, there's not a lot of good in it. I'm like, wait a minute, what did you just say? Not a lot of good in it. God's in it. What do you mean there's not a lot of good in it? God inspired it. Did, did God make a mistake by inspiring it? No, he didn't. The book of Numbers, we're in our daily reading, we're in the book of Numbers. Oh my goodness, the book of Numbers. Read the book of Numbers. If God wrote it, he put it there for a reason. Get over yourself and read the book of Numbers. Read the whole counsel of God. David had the whole counsel of God and he saw God's promises. You see, God's promises are only found in his word. And that is why he magnifies his word above all else. Notice, and I have it highlighted in my Bible, in Psalm 138, the end of verse 2 there. For you have magnified... Your word above all your name. Above the universe, above the earth, above the animal kingdom, above mankind. You see, man will magnify some of the things that I've just mentioned. And they create idols and have over the centuries. But the believer, you and I... You and I, the believer, we should magnify the word of God above all else. Above all else. Had a couple Mormon elders come by about three weeks ago. I don't know why they call them elders when they're 18 years old. But they're elders. And they got the name tag on. And I don't bash them, I don't ridicule them, but I just ask them some simple questions. I say, I see you got Jesus Christ on your your name tag there. What does the word Christ mean? I don't know. You got it on your name badge. You don't know what it means. Do you know what language it is? And I told him, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm trying to educate here you a little bit. Because here's the deal. And I, and I went on for a few minutes and going back and forth a little bit. I said, here's the deal. Let's say that you're going to go to a deserted island. You can only take one book with you. Only one book you can take with you. The Book of Mormon... Or the, or the Bible. Which book are you going to take? And with no hesitation, they say this every single time I ask this question. Oh, the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I know. I, I knew you were going to say that because they always say it. What does our Bible say? For you have magnified your word above all your name. Above the Quran. Above the Book of Mormon. Above the New Age system. 
whatever the new world order that's coming, that's already here and is, is starting to show its head. Guys, we have, we have the word of God in our laps. We have the word of God in our laps. Don't let anything, don't let anything embarrass you or humiliate you or make you fearful about what you have in your lap. But take a stand for it, a loving stand. And I was loving. I wasn't mocking or ridiculing. And I even said that to them because they were getting a little edgy and uncomfortable. You know, and I'm just like, no, this is what it means, guys. It was written in Greek. And Christ means the anointed one. And the Hebrew, the Old Testament, Hebrew means the anointed one. Jesus is God. Not just a God. He didn't become a God. He was God and he is God today. And you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. Because they said, well, we're Christian. No, you're not. Don't be afraid to tell them. Tell them the truth. If you don't, who's going to tell them the truth? Their bishop? Their bishop's the one that's feeding them the lie. When you go knock on doors, you tell those who might know a little bit about Christianity that you're a Christian and they'll accept you. And most people will. Oh, oh, well, you're a Christian. Oh, well, I was born in America. I'm a Christian, so I guess we're the same. Oh, come on in. Welcome to my house. No, Second John says, don't invite them into your house. Don't bless them. Don't wish them God bless you. Don't do any of that. Proclaim the truth and tell them there's a heaven, there's a hell. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're going to hell. we got to give them that message, guys. we got to give them that message. Because why? Because God has elevated his word above all else, above everything else that he has created. Because why? Because it clearly speaks of all his attributes. You see, there is no other book on the face of the earth that represents God like this book. And people try may try to write books, and, and there's a lot of good books out there. I'm not bashing books. Don't go down that road. But this book, your Bible, is the book that explains everything we need to know about God. And that's why we need to be reading it on a daily basis. A daily basis. You see, David had the scriptures available to him, and they gave him strength to press on. For God had caused David to cling to his word. To hold on to those promises internally. Internally. Speaking to you and I this morning. Why? No matter what might happen externally. No matter what might happen externally, David knew. Internally. God's forgiven me. God has a plan for my life. I'm going to keep following after God. That's what he's doing. And that's what you and I today, we need to be doing on a regular basis. You see, God's word gave David that peace that he needed, and it will do the same for you and me today. So as we leave these verses, let's allow God's word to be magnified in our lives. How do we know if it's magnified in our lives? Well, do you read it? That's first and foremost. No, I, I don't. I, I, I got my sports that I read in the morning, and then I listen to the sports radio on the way to work, and then I watch the sports channel when I get home. Okay, well, you've just magnified sports above God's Word. It's, it's that simple. Just be mature about it, not bashing anybody. Just you've elevated sports above God's Word. Is, that the, is, that, is sports going to get you through your hard times? No. So maybe you need to do some reprioritizing. Maybe I need to be prioritizing. This applies to all of us because any of us can get it out of whack. Make sure that we magnify his word above all else. Your mate, your children, your grandchildren, 
God's word is above everything. Verses 4 through 6, All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Notice that. Not my words. Not my words. Well, I can argue that Mormon into Christianity. Good luck with that. No. Are you saying you're the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, I'm going to be lifted up that I might draw all men to me. Well, does that mean I shouldn't minister to them? No, you obviously minister to them. But be careful that you don't embrace them and make them feel like they're the same as you, because they're not. You're a saint. They're an ain't. Even though on a name badge it says the Church of Later Day Saints, they're an ain't. That's just the facts. And so don't make them feel like they are. That's the worst thing that we could do, is make them feel like, I'm okay, you're okay, you go do your thing, I'm doing my thing. No, 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 no. You're not okay. There's a hell. There is a hell. Be very, very careful. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. Now, this would be totally appropriate, and I've done this over the years. You, you have those been here for a while, but if you're newer visiting, I encourage you as you read your word, just do a little bit something with the word that's totally appropriate. I'm not saying create your own Bible. Just replace that word right there with your name. Replace it with your name. And that would be totally appropriate. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards Jim. That's pretty crazy. That's amazing. That God who spoke everything into being would have any time for me. And I was raised in a religion where God didn't have time for me. And I had to debug that program when I finally received Jesus and finally started reading the word and realizing, no, God's got all the time in the world for me. But my, my, my denomination said he doesn't have time for me because I was a sinner. And if, until I get really, really good, then maybe God will love me and have time for me. But until then, you've got to go to other people because God, no, no, God doesn't love you. No, no. He loves me. So it would be totally appropriate for you to put your name there. But the proud, he knows from afar. You see, most people don't come to receive Jesus as their Savior as these two young elders were there because they were proud of their religion. And they didn't want to hear the truth. But they kept going back to their writings and to their book. There's another interesting thing that you could throw at, at them, which I've thrown out to doctors who I have had in my life, Mormon doctors. I say, can I ask you a question? Sure. How much evidence is there for the Book of Mormon? How much evidence is there for the Book of Mormon? Is there a sword? Is there a battlefield? Is there a city that, that's referenced in the Book of Mormon? Have they found any of that? Do you guys, do you guys know the answer to that now? Take your two fingers and put them together. Zero. Zero evidence. Zero evidence. And I said to this doctor, who was my doctor at the time, I said, and you, I, I don't get this. And we were discussing, and I was talking, I don't get this. Now, if I came to you, and you hadn't gone to medical school, and you hadn't gone to college, and you're just out of high school, um, would you think that I would fulfill the prescription you just wrote for me? <laughs> Do you think I should just fulfill it? No. But yet you're telling me, because you had a burning in your bosom, which was probably a bad burrito, you had a burning in your bosom... That you're basing your, your eternity on that? Man. And, and he didn't know what to say. Because that's just the truth. 
It's just the truth. And he stuck to that. Well, I, you know, I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Read your Bible, please. You carry it in a backpack. I know you have one at home. Please read your, the whole Bible. Read it. Your eternity is at stake. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me, verse 7 says. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. The Lord, I have this highlighted in my Bible, the Lord will perfect or complete that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Again, notice an attribute of God. God's mercy. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Throughout David's life, you know, God was always there for him and God strengthened him and brought him physical as well as spiritual victories on many occasions. And because of that close relationship, because of that close relationship that David had with God, he knew that God would complete the work that God had for him to do. You notice that I stopped and emphasized it. Close relationship. You see, that relationship with God is really dependent upon us. Salvations of God. You can't work your way to heaven. So now let's get that off the table. You receive Jesus as your Savior. Okay, that's on the table over there. Justification. You're justified. You're saved. Then you're going to be glorified one day. That's when you die. You're glorified. That little dash on the headstone, that's sanctification. So from point A to point C is point B. So David had that relationship. And it was dependent upon him and it's dependent upon us giving God the time he deserves. How do I develop a close relationship? How did I develop a close relationship with my wife? Well, I saw her once a week at church and I said hi from a distance and that was it. Uh, no. We dated. We spent hours talking. We did various things together. We did. We spent time. You see, we all have time for so many things, but do we take time to be with God and develop a close relationship with him? You see, if we do, this is key. If we do, we will recognize the following verses and cling to them, knowing that no matter what God allows to come into our lives, he will be there for us. He will be there for us no matter what comes into our lives. To bring us through that trial, whatever that trial might be this week, you have no idea what trial you're going to go through this week or what I'm going to go through this week. We have no idea. That temptation, that moral failing, that you, know, you fill in the blank. We have no idea what this week is going to hold. God does. It's already done. He, he already, it's already done in eternity. He's going to be there for us. And so I want to throw up a few verses here for the believer today. Philippians 1.6. And these are verses that you should memorize, you should meditate on. How do I develop that close relationship? Spend time with God reading his word. First and foremost, spend time with God reading his word. How else? Memorize scriptures. As you're reading his word and something pops out at you, and this is why I encourage a paper Bible, but do what you will. And again, I need to say that because somebody came up to me and, and felt condemned that they're using their electronic device. There's no condemnation. Use whatever you want to use. I'm just saying for me and for most people, paper, Bible, it's just, it's different. You got that device that you're using all the time with your phone and you're checking other things with it. Is it, is it really any different than a Bible? 
It should be, but it's hard because now it's just everything's in this little box, including my Bible. I encourage you, have a paper Bible. Mark it up, highlight it, write in it, underline it. Don't do like Thomas Jefferson and start cutting out things you don't like. But read it and mark it, highlight it. It's so important for you and I to do that. Being confident of this very thing. What thing? That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's the day of Jesus Christ? When I take my last breath on earth, I'm going to take my first breath in heaven, I'm going to see Jesus Christ at 186,000 miles per second. So he will, he will do the work. But I got to do my part. I got to do my part. And this is where some Christians get whacked out. They go from one extreme to the other. Again, we're not talking about salvation. You can't do anything to get saved except by faith through grace. But then sanctification, we've got to do our part. So memorizing, meditating, how do, I, how do I develop that relationship? I started to memorize what Claudia liked. I started to meditate upon what Claudia liked. And then I started to do things that Claudia liked to get her to like me. I don't know why it worked, but it worked. <laughs> Hebrews twelve two. Looking unto the Republicans. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Looking unto the Democrats. Looking unto Bernie. He'll save us. Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author. Who gave you the faith to receive him? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The author and finisher of our faith. Let's look at uh, Philippians chapter 2. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Again, I encourage you to memorize verses, meditate on verses, be in your Bible. Yes, you're gonna, there's some days when you're in Numbers, the book of Numbers, and you're going to read it, and you're going to get done, you're going to say, wow, got nothing out of that. Well, that's okay. That's okay. You got it in your head. And there's going to be other days where you're going to go, wow, Numbers. This past week, this, this past week showed Jesus on the cross this past week in the book of Numbers. So if you haven't read it, go back and read the book of Numbers. This week, this past week, showed Jesus on the cross in the book of Numbers. So you read that and you go, wow, that's incredible. I wouldn't have seen that if I hadn't read the book of Numbers. I get it. Believe me, I'm there with you. But you want to get it in your head so that God has something to work with in your heart. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Aha! We do need to work out our salvation. The Bible says it. Well, I'm not a Greek scholar. If you get a little book and you open it up and you read it, you you trace it back, work out there means to render fit, to fashion. To render fit, to fashion. Well, how does that happen? It goes back to that word surrender. The clay on the wheel, God is the potter, I am the clay. Well, how do you know that? You don't know that. Well, how about if we just read the rest of the Bible? Because the next verse says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Ta-da! Amazing what the Bible teaches us. 
if we just read all of it. So it's really not me doing the work, it's just me surrendering so that God can do the work in me. But am I even at that point of surrender? Am I even, are you even at that point of surrender? You see, God is willing to do the work through the power of the Holy Spirit. We just need to do what David did throughout his life. Did David make some horrendous mistakes? Absolutely. Did David ask for forgiveness? And did he repent and ask for forgiveness? Absolutely. That's why the Bible says about David, and the only man in all of scriptures, the only woman in all the scriptures, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Even with the horrendous things he did, David was a man after God's own heart. The only person in all the Bible. That's pretty crazy. But you see, David had a personal relationship. We just need to do what David did throughout his life. Surrender our will to the will of our creator. Psalm 140. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Psalm 140. Again, we'll do Psalm 139 next Sunday. So, David might have written this song during that period of time spent in the courts of King Saul. And there were those who wanted to please the king, so they started to put forth lies about David. This was before David was king. He was already anointed king, but there was King Saul. Read your Bibles, you'll you'll eventually catch up with that. They were trying to get him in trouble while trying to make themselves look good. And those who there were those who will do the same thing today. But God is our defense, and we need to continually trust in that fact. And that's kind of the overriding theme of this psalm, or this song right here, that God is our defense. So, verses 1 through 3. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me. The word preserve, those two words in the Hebrew there, preserve me, it means to guard, to protect, to maintain. To guard, to protect, to maintain. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. Notice that. So not their spears. And the war is not physical outside. We got our swords to see who's going to win. The tongue. The tongue is full of what? Deadly poison. Deadly. Who can tame the tongue? James encourages us to remember. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asp is under their lips. You see, people may plan things in their heart, but know, this is important for you and I as we go through our own battles, know that God knows those plans way better than we do. You see, he sees right past our outward facade. We don't, nor can we. He sees right past it. He sees right past their outward facade. And this is important for you and me. Because there's there's people in our lives. I worked at Motor for 12 and a half years. There were people in my life that were saying things about me behind my back to get me in trouble. I, this, this just happens. There's people in the ministry that say things about me as a pastor. Um, there's people outside the church that say things about our family to, to make us look. I mean, that's just reality. So we got to look past the outward facade. We don't, nor can we. Here's the key. And we're not called to. No, what's going on in their heart. It's impossible to know what's going in their heart. Only God knows. You see, love believes all things. Here's the key for you and me. And then evaluates the fruit. If the fruit is rotten, then deal with it accordingly. Throw it out. Keep your distance. You might even need to separate yourself from an individual. What? You see, David... 
David was going to find himself in that position. He was going to have to flee from King Saul in order to save his own life. And it's estimated up to possibly 10 years. But during that process, David stayed focused upon God. He kept doing what he was called to do, and he did it with all integrity. That's the point for you and me even this morning. That's why so many of King Saul's men didn't like David. You see, they dig things out of seeking approval from the king. See if this sounds familiar to you today in your workplace. They did things out of seeking approval from the king. David did things out of seeking approval from God. They did things out of seeking approval from the king. Have you guys ever worked around somebody where they're just kissing up to the boss? And it's so obvious. It's like, man, give me a break. David did things out of seeking approval from God. There will be those who come against us because we do the same thing and it bugs them. And they like to say the right things to make the boss happy instead of stating the truth and letting the chips fall where they may. David is going to find out that he was in a very tough place. For these men really desired not only to hurt him, they wanted to have him killed. Verse 4 and 5. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent men who have purposed to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. Do you hear that? Do you hear what David is singing here? Could this possibly be you maybe in your workplace? Or you can think back about, oh, yeah, I remember somebody like that in my life. You see, these men didn't just talk bad about David. They set up traps for him, hoping that he would do something that they might accuse him of. But as God would see fit, their plans came back upon their own heads. And that is where God delivers us. He causes the traps of our enemies to become their own snares. Do you have have an example of this? Haman. Haman is a classic example in the letter of Esther. He devised a plan by lying about the Jews in the land. And the king allowed an edict to be made to exterminate. Like Iran. Today, guys, Iran wants to exterminate every Jew. Islam is not a peaceful religion. They want to exterminate every Jew. They say it on a regular basis. Haman's lies came to the surface and he was hung on the very gallows that he built for some of the Jews. You see, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. And we should expect the traps and snares of the enemy. We should expect them. But we should also expect our God to deliver us out of them his way. And that's hard. His way. Which may take some time, by the way. His way. Which nobody likes, by the way. His way. His timing. Verses 6 through 8. I said to the Lord, you are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. 
Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further his wicked scheme, lest they be exalted. And even though David was under attack for his integrity with God, he remained faithful to God and cried out to him in his defense. I'm just going to read it for the sake of time, but I encourage you to write down 62, Psalm 62, 5 through 8. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. He ran from Saul for up to 10 years. What do you mean you're not going to be moved? You were moving all over Israel. My integrity for God, I shall not be moved. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to take appropriate breaks. I'm going to be on time. I'm going to leave on time. I'm not going to take a a pen from the company. I'm not going to use the computer on company time. I'm going to have integrity. No matter what everybody else is doing, I'm going to have integrity. Because I'm so good and self-righteous? No. Because that's what God calls me to do. To be the best employer on the job site. So that's what I do. And I'm going to let him be my defense. Though others may mock me and ridicule me because of that. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Do you hear relationship there? Relationship. You see, this is what the saints should do when the enemy comes to us. Cry out to God and allow God to defend you. But most of the time we don't do that. We try to do what? Defend ourselves. He has given us the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. You see, the helmet guards the head, or metaphorically, the mind. And the shield guards the heart, or metaphorically, our soul. As you hear often referenced in the scriptures, our soul, that's our being. When we place the word of God in our minds, the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts to give us that peace that surpasses understanding. And only God can do that. And David would find that out while being chased by King Saul many times. David also prays that his enemies wouldn't succeed in their endeavors lest they brag about their success. There will be those who brag about their success against the saints. But no one will be bragging when they step in front of God. No one. You see, the word gives us the rest of the story. So that is what we need to stay focused on no matter what our enemies proclaim against you radical Christians. No, we love everybody. Verses 9 through 11. As for the head of those who surround me, let the evil of their lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. (laughs) David's prayer life. Let not a slander be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. Again, we've gone over this so many times. Not going to do it again. Old Testament saint versus New Testament saint. Seek the scriptures. If you want to talk to me afterwards personally, you can, but we've touched on that so many times. That's not the way we pray for the wicked. We pray that God open their eyes that they might receive Jesus as their Savior. They are going to hell. Open their eyes, God. Verses 12 through 13, as we wrap it up, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence. See, only those who are righteous, and that goes back to justification. 
The moment you received Jesus as your Savior, you became right with God. Religion will tell you you need to become more holy, more righteous. Just work it out, work it out, work it out, work it out, and you'll get there. No, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. That point. That's it. I'm righteous. So that, that's who the righteous are. And we know from the scriptures that there's only one way to become righteous, and that is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens in this life, we need to always remember God's promise of eternal life with him. Let's wrap it up with John chapter 10. John chapter 10. As the music team comes up, we'll wrap it up with these verses. John chapter 10, 22 through 30. That was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. (laughs) And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And in a few weeks, we're going to be on this location. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, now you'll notice the word Jews here highlighted, uh, in case you're not familiar with this. Any, most of the time in the Gospels when you see that term, the Jews, that's the religious elite. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers. The Jews surrounded him and said to Jesus, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. I mean, what works did Jesus do? Healing, uh, raising the dead, healing the blind, healing the leopard, the lame. I mean, the mute. Uh, He did a lot of works. It showed that he was God. I told you. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And notice here in verse 28, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That word perish there is eternal separation from God. Because obviously Jesus knows everybody's going to die. He knows he's going to die. It's amazing. Today, 10 out of 10 people still die. You're going to die. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to die. You will be eternally separated from God. But Jesus says here, no, you're not going to be eternal. You're never going to perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And as you read the rest of the story, they picked up stones to kill Jesus. Well, the Bible doesn't say anywhere that Jesus is God. It's because they haven't read their Bible. It says over and over and over again, Jesus is God. And the people knew that he was saying that he was God because they were picking up stones to kill him. It's pretty obvious that Jesus was God, is God, always will be God. Guys, as we go out into our mission field, let's just go with the truth of God's word. Magnify it. Magnify it above all else. Magnify it and allow other people to see that. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this morning. And we do want to magnify your word in our lives, not for self-promotion, not for self-righteousness, not out of pride, but out of love. We love you. And I know the saints in this room, they're here because they love your word. They do. Majority of them, they do. We're not polished. And they still come. Because they love your word. 
But Father, we don't ever want to sit on that love. We want that love to be out in front of us. We want that love to be exemplified in our devotional time. Maybe we're single and nobody will ever see it. But maybe we're married and our mate sees it and they need to see it. Maybe we have children and our children need to see our devotional time exemplified. Maybe our grandchildren. Whatever the case may be, Father, people need to see that that we magnify your word above everything else. So, Lord, as we go through this next week, as we spend time in your word and as maybe we're reading the word out in public at a at a lunch or a breakfast or just a time to spend with you, let us never be embarrassed or ashamed of the gospel. But to bring it out, put it on the table and to magnify your word above all else. Father, we thank you for all you do in our lives and And we just ask for more of your Holy Spirit as we sang in the very beginning, surrender, as we've read even this morning again, surrender. Maybe we need to re-surrender our lives this morning. Maybe there was a verse or maybe there was one word that impacted our heart and and we can't can't give that up. It's true. That wasn't from me, Father. That was from you to them, to your sheep. I pray that, that they would just accept that. They would ask for forgiveness and move on. They'd receive that forgiveness and move on. Just knowing that you love them and you're not out of their, they're not out of your hands. You you can't lose them. Father, I just thank you for that wonderful reassurance found in your word, even as we just read. So Lord, use us this week for your glory as faithful ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand, guys. Amen. (laughs) If you didn't receive Jesus, and you'd like to receive them, please come up. We would love to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Savior. If you need prayer for anything else, we have oil. The elders will anoint you with oil for healing. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we actually do believe in the Bible. So come on up. We'll anoint you with oil and see what God does. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God. God, if our God, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, do work instead of guess. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, do work instead of Amen. God bless you.